Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. The Final Four is set in basketball's playoffs, and BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for the conference finals. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast and podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. It is a fantabulous Thursday, May 18th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count. But we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We got a lot of good stuff here on today's podcast. We're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns and what comes next for that franchise now that they've been officially eliminated. And there's some uh, interesting rumors about how they're going to bring back Chris Paul, but maybe not DeAndre Ayton. They fired Monty Williams, of course. We'll break down everything going on with the Phoenix Suns because we haven't had a chance to weave that into the show here. Also, we're going to talk about... The NBA Draft Lottery coming up in a second. First, it's an A block. Just want to take five minutes to talk about Game 1 between the uh, De- the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Game 2 is tonight. By the time many of you are listening to this, Game 2 may have already been played, and many of the storylines of Game 1 will be out the door. I don't really know how to do the game-to-game stuff with the playoffs unless we're going to do like immediate post-game analysis. For these playoff series, which is not something that I'm super, super invested in doing. But either way, Nikola Jokic, man, like I don't want to just understate how crazy it is to put up 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, and do that while having an efficiency rating over 30. Like it is really, really hard to have an efficiency rating over 30, period, against these best teams in the league. In the regular season, Jokic's efficiency rating the last three years has been 31, 32, and 31, you know, rounding up in different places. But to have an efficiency rating at the level of an MVP playing against the best teams in the NBA every single game, because everyone's statistics tend to shrink a little bit in the playoffs. Everyone's numbers seem less gaudy because you're just playing better teams. Like part of the MVP stuff and part of the regular season statistics is that teams and players do get fat on statistics playing the bad teams. And once you've removed most of the bad teams, I'm not going to say all the bad teams, but once you've removed most of the bad teams from the equation, it changes the math on how you 
go into a series, how you evaluate a series, stuff like that. And so I've been very interested to watch the Denver Nuggets and Jokic's performance and see it kind of get glanced over at times because I know, like I said, we're doing this a day late. It's game-to-game analysis stuff. I don't want to make that the podcast. But overlooking a 34-21-14 game from an MVP who is doing it on super good efficiency rating is incredible to watch. And I know most people are watching this Western Conference Final with intent. The conversation about, oh, people aren't watching Jokic as much isn't really a thing anymore because people have been seeing the numbers. They've been watching the performances in the playoffs. Even if they haven't watched all the performances, people have watched two or three Jokic games at least. I can say now I have watched two or three Jokic games in the playoffs, and I didn't need to see these playoff performances to know just how incredible Jokic was. I was saying that the Nuggets are a championship contender since the All-Star break. We are three wins away from being validated on that point of saying the Nuggets would win the West and they would do it going 12-3. and And if it weren't for a missed free throw by Jokic in a meaningless Game 4 against the Timberwolves, the Nuggets probably would have gone 12-3, and won the Western Conference, and never faced an elimination game because this Denver team is incredibly overwhelming. They're going to run through the Lakers. I know the Lakers brought it within one possession late in that game, and granted, they kind of held out hope at the end, and the Lakers have won like 10 straight games on their home court, and all of that is going in favor of the Lakers. Acknowledged, understood. At the same time, Denver is the better team. The Lakers are debating whether Dennis Schroeder or D'Angelo Russell is going to be playing at the point guard position going forward. And that's really a semantics argument when you're talking about getting outclassed and overwhelmed by the Denver Nuggets team that is clearly better than them and has been better than them for most of the season. So, I mean, the Lakers could win game two and totally flip this series on its back. I just see Denver as the superior team and I don't want to glance past the fact that Nikola Jokic put up 34 points, 21 rebounds, and 14 assists on high efficiency rating and just glance past it and move on to talking about the Phoenix Suns, the team who the Denver Nuggets eliminated in Game 6 with a totally overwhelming performance that, in fairness, I was at a baseball game, checked the score, saw the Nuggets were up 17 at the end of the first quarter. I was like, all right, we don't have to watch that game. But going back in hindsight, I watched the the highlights. I kind of wish I had watched that game because Denver's just a thoroughly entertaining basketball team, and I love being right And I love being right about a team that's entertaining. And I say that with a wink and a smile, because in reality, if the Nuggets had gotten bounced in the second round, it would have stunk. I've been wrong before. This one I just felt really confident in, and I'm being rewarded for my confidence by watching Nikola Jokic drop 34 points and 21 rebounds and 14 assists on the head of the Lakers, three games away from the NBA Finals, like we said at the All-Star break, was going to happen without ever facing an elimination game, and Denver's won a series in five, won a series in six, and now are on their way to winning a series in five against the Los Angeles Lakers, and we can be validated once again for our Denver Nuggets support. It's the most wonderful day of the year. There'll be ping pong balls falling, the lottery's calling to fill us with cheer. It's the most wonderful day of the year. 
It's the half happiest day of them all. Spurs and pistons and blazers, jazz wizards and pacers hope to hear names called. It's the half happiest day of the year. Teams have lied about tanking, except Houston's drunk ravings. Fertita says pray for Wemby. Mavericks tanking with Luca, they're smoking that hookah. They need a pick in the top ten. It's the most wonderful day of the year. If the numbers are matching, your team will be drafting a star for seven years. On the most wonderful day of the year. Go Rockets. Hey, absolutely. Okay, so for Victor. The third pick belongs to the Portland Trailblazers. The second pick will be made by the Charlotte Hornets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2023 NBA Draft goes to the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, draft lottery. Oh, draft lottery. I love you so much. I love it. Love it. Love it. The NBA draft lottery delivered with an incredible, incredible gift on this most wonderful day of the year. Victor Wembanyama is going to the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs team, of which we wrote our first documentary series, The Fall of the Spurs Dynasty, chronicled by us on this podcast over the past year. A podcast series that was released on the day that DeJounte Murray got traded to the Atlanta Hawks. Kind of incredible that that ended up happening. But the day DeJounte Murray got traded to the Hawks, setting the stage for a tanking season for the Spurs, five years removed from the Kawhi Leonard trade, five years removed from their last playoff series victory, three years removed from the end of a streak that I don't think will ever be broken, which is 20 consecutive playoff appearances, 28 playoff appearances in 20, I'm sorry, 29 playoff appearances in 30 seasons. I don't think that streak will ever be broken again after three seasons of missing the playoffs. The Spurs set the stage for a tanking season that landed them Victor Wembanyama, who is going to be not only supported by the San Antonio organization, he's going to play with Tony Parker, whom Victor Wembanyama grew up watching because he's from France. And he talked about uh, not just Tony Parker, but also Boris Diaw and the impact that they had on the French, you know, the French national team and the and basketball in France. And he said, I mean, you can hear the clip. He said that he is happy that he is going to. Uh, San Antonio because half of France if not all of France was rooting for him to end up with the Spurs there's a special relation between France and the Spurs because, because of Tony of course and also Boris and um, I know half of the country maybe if not the whole country wanted the Spurs to have the first pick so I was looking uh, at everyone and everyone was happy so I was too you had said that the universe told me? Not to brag about it, but I, I knew what was going to happen. And uh, I actually recorded myself uh, saying it this morning, walking to practice. So, yeah, the universe told me dreams, feelings. Yeah. 
it happens sometimes, but it, it never, it, it, it's never wrong. It's always right. So it was so cool that Victor Wembanyama ended up having the number one pick in the NBA draft land in San Antonio and that the Spurs are going to get him. It's also cool that Scoot Henderson's going to probably go to the Portland Trailblazers. Maybe the Charlotte Hornets if you think that Scoot and Brandon Miller are head above heels over each other because, I mean, if I'm Portland, I wouldn't be opposed to pairing Scoot Henderson with Damian Lillard. Now, it's a little different when we're talking about LaMelo and Scoot Henderson because LaMelo is more of a pass-first oriented point guard, which is what Scoot Henderson is kind of at right now. So I think it's a little different with them. They might end up taking Brandon Miller, but man, I would pair Scoot Henderson with Damian Lillard. Like, why not? Let's make that happen. It would be so cool to watch that play out. Maybe they trade for a for an all-star now, but man, I would I would do it. I would do it. If I were Portland, pair Scoot Henderson with with Damian Lillard. Man, it's gonna be so interesting to see how that plays out. But back to Wembenyama real quick. Like, so the lottery ended up playing out where all of the first six, uh, six through 14, so the first nine spots in the draft lottery ended up going to the teams in the order that they were projected. We talked about probabilities and we went through all the teams. Six through 14 ended up in the same spots they were anticipating. And then you got to the Detroit Pistons falling down to number five, which sucks for them because they went from one to five. However, in reality, once we got to that number five pick, it was basically even chances that all of the top four teams, which was Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, and Charlotte, it was basically even odds that all four of those teams would end up being the team that fell to five. And it ultimately ended up being the Detroit Pistons... They're going to get a very good player, and they've been they've won lotteries before. They've fallen back in lotteries before. They've had the highs and lows of that experience, and they've still drafted really good players. I remember a few years ago, and again, I'm a lottery-obsessed weirdo. That's why it's the most wonderful day of the year and why we made a whole song about it. Like, What's so interesting about the lottery a few years ago was that Cleveland always kept missing out on top picks. So like after LeBron left Cleveland the second time in 2018, Cleveland kept missing on landing any of the top four picks. Like the probabilities were low that that would happen. And yet they got unlucky every year. They were number eight in 2018. They were number five in 2019, which was their worst season. In 2020, they were number five, even though they had the second best odds at the top pick, or they were tied with the group that had a 14% chance. They fell to number five that year. So Cleveland got unlucky each of those seasons that they were trying to tank, and yet it worked out for them because Darius Garland fell to them in 2019. Uh, yeah, 2019, Darius Garland fell to them at the fifth pick in the draft. And so even though they spent three years tanking like Detroit did, and even though they didn't hit on the lottery ping pong ball, they ended up getting Darius Garland at the end and it all worked out. And Detroit's kind of in a similar case where they hit on the ping pong ball for Cade Cunningham. And while Cade Cunningham was hiked up as the number one pick when he's drafted, he clearly does not look like he's going to be a generational star. He might end up being an all-star one day. Cade Cunningham's looking closer to a rookie of the year like D'Angelo Russell than he is to being a player who's going to transcend the Detroit Pistons organization. And granted, part of that is he didn't play all of last season. He won rookie of the year in a weak draft class. Like, I understand all of that stuff with 
Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham's a really good player. They hit on that ping pong ball, and he's the foundational piece of a franchise that still feels years away from competing, and at the same time, feels like they're building towards something. You can see the vision of what they're building towards with bringing in Wiseman as a former number two pick, bringing in Bagley as a number two pick on a flyer. They have the foundational pieces of Cunningham and Ivy, which feel like they've hit on their picks. They're not going to be catastrophic failures like the Chicago Bulls experienced when they took Kobe White at the top of the draft, Wendell Carter at the top of the draft, Patrick Williams at the top of the draft. Uh, They got, um, uh, well, the draft pick they traded for Jimmy Butler ended up being Larry Markinen. So like drafting Markinen, which looks better now, but at the when he was in Chicago it was terrible. Markinen, Kobe White, Wendell Carter, Patrick Williams, like yeah, missing on all those picks is the reason why the Bulls are unable to compete now. Like Chicago, the the Pistons didn't do that. Cunningham looks like he has a chance of being an all-star. Ivy looks like he has a chance of being an all-star. They have those foundational pieces. They're taking flyers on Bagley and Wiseman. You can see the vision of what's happening in Detroit, and even if they didn't get the top pick this year, they're still going to get a player who can contribute like a Darius Garland, who, by the way, made an all-star team at 23 years old. So it's if you can get that player, and by the way, Ivy and uh, Cunningham have a chance of being their Darius Garland, so it's not like they even need that to hit. They do want a contributing player, and while I don't think they're going to get an all-star at pick number five, like they would have had a better chance of getting if they'd landed Wembenyama, if they had landed Scoot Henderson, if they'd landed even Brandon Miller, it's going to be interesting to see how Detroit moves forward with that because I can see the vision with the Pistons, and they've already got the two foundational draft picks, and they're doing other things to try and find value within the margins. I mean, they drafted Seek Bay. And flipped him for, I believe, uh, Wiseman at the end of the day. They they flipped Sadiq Bey for a former number two pick who plays a position that better suits where their needs are based on drafting Cunningham, drafting Ivy, and likely drafting a shooting guard in the middle of this year's draft. So like they are they are using their resources and I see the vision. And because they've been in the lottery for a bunch of years and because they've already gotten the two foundational picks that will support their franchise for years to come. I think Detroit's in an interesting position, even if they get stri- even if they strike out on a top four pick in this year's draft, which probably they would have rather had a top pick this year than even 2021 when they took Cunningham. But that doesn't mean that they aren't in a really good position going forward to potentially start moving out of the bottom six of the lottery. And I see the vision for Detroit, and while the- it sucks there, the good news is they have done a good job over the last three years to make it so that even losing this lottery ping pong ball luck is not so detrimental to the franchise. I mentioned the Bulls a second ago and how they whiffed on all their draft picks and then traded three first rounders and gave up $500 million for a roster that won a single playoff game last year. They won one playoff game and... That trade is looking really, really bad for the Chicago Bulls because in exchange for Nikola Vucevic, they have now given up Wendell Carter Jr., who, while he's not putting up the numbers of Vucevic, isn't that far behind the player that Vucevic is right now. Wendell Carter Jr., former lottery pick. Franz Wagner was the number eight pick in the draft from the Chicago Bulls. That is a really, really good pick for the Orlando Magic. And they also get the 11 pick in this year's draft. That trade for Vucevic, who I've joked for years is empty stats Vucevic, 
Vucevic for that is looking rough for the Chicago Bulls and just might facilitate a four-year rise of the Orlando Magic because Orlando's going to pick six and eleven this year. Maybe they package those picks and go get Scoot Henderson, which ooh, 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 ooh that would be a something interesting as well. But they again, I see the vision with Orlando. They've hit on Franz Wagner. They've hit on Paolo Banquero. They might have hit on Jalen Suggs or Cole Anthony. We're still waiting to see Suggs. Uh, we're, you know, Suggs is not going to be worth the top five pick, but you know who was worth the eight pick right after him? Franz Wagner. So you know what? Turned out okay for Orlando. That's one where Orlando might take that and maybe flip it for a, a bona fide player now, like giving up a uh, giving up the 11 pick for an all-star caliber player might be the move for Orlando here. Let me see if there's any uh, like contracts they can match or anything like that. Just pulling up the trade machine real quick for Orlando. I know I'm doing this kind of on the fly and it's a podcast and I could edit this out, but you know what? You get the full experience of the show. Man, I know Markel Fultz is pretty good this year, but might be Markel Fultz who gets packaged in a trade for a veteran player instead of keeping this uh, draft pick and spending it because I mean, they've got their Chuma Okikis, they've got their Bull Bulls, they've got the foundational pieces of Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro and Wendell Carter, and maybe Jalen Suggs still, if you believe in Jalen Suggs' ability. I know he only averaged like 10 points a game this year, but I mean, Orlando could maybe package that pick for a player. Not saying it's the worst idea in the world, to trade for a player on another team maybe it's like you nah, maybe not Yusuf Nurkic maybe it's Anthony Simons with the Blazers who they package in a deal maybe they go over to the Pelicans and try and trade for a CJ McCollum or something like that I mean there's there's a lot of options Orlando can work with here with those double ups on draft picks Maybe they upgrade the point guard position for Markel Fultz. Maybe they flip Jonathan Isaac for something. Whatever they end up doing, there's a lot of interesting possibilities for this Orlando Magic team. And maybe they'll trade the 11 pick for a bona fide star. Or not a bona fide star, for a very good player this year. We'll see what ends up happening there. If Golden State wants to take a crack at the board again on a, on a first round pick, maybe they give up one of their guys, but... I think Orlando's got a bunch of different options they can work with uh, because they swindled the Chicago Bulls. It's the most wonderful day of the year. There'll be ping pong balls falling, the lottery's calling to fill us with cheer. It's the most wonderful day of the year. It's the half happiest day of them all. Spurs and Pistons and Blazers, Jazz Wizards and Pacers hope to hear names called. It's the half happiest day of the year. Teams have lied about tanking, except Houston's drunk ravings. Fertita says pray for Wemby. Mavericks tanking with Luka, they're smoking that hookah. They need a pick in the top ten. It's the most wonderful day of the year. 
If the numbers are matching, your team will be drafting a star for seven years on the most wonderful day of the year. Go Rockets. Hey, absolutely. Thanks so much. Run for Victor. <laughs> All right, so. Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns real quick. And also, we've got halftime of the Miami Heat-Boston Celtics Game 1 going on. I just wrapped up doing afternoon radio in Sacramento. You can check me out all week over there. But this is however and whenever you might be listening, so there's a good chance that you might not be able to hear me on Sacramento radio based on how you're listening. This is why it's always difficult to do plugs, right? Because I never know when you guys are listening on the podcast channel. I know a lot of you are listening to the show after it's already come out and maybe even weeks after this come out. We try to create shows that will age relatively gracefully, like the show we're about to put on right now. We talked about the draft lottery. That'll be relevant for about a month long. And today we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns in a style that reminds us of eulogies on the podcast. And the reason I bring it up is because the Phoenix Suns are in a really interesting position going forward where when you have to give up most of your future for a win now trade it's very hard to compete in the season that this is going on now some teams make the trade well in advance and they're able to adjust their team and they have a recourse for it so like for example when anthony davis was traded from the pelicans to the lakers it was right before the nba draft in june of 2019 and then the lakers got to free agency And they were able to build on their roster with the cap space that they had. They signed Danny Green. They signed, I I forgot, uh, Troy Daniels was the name. They signed Troy Daniels. They signed Quinn Cook. Granted, these weren't huge pieces on the championship roster at the end. I remember Quinn Cook got left behind at the bubble after they celebrated the title. But they were able to have the best of both worlds, which was give up their future for Anthony Davis, give up five years worth of tanking all in one trade because they gave up the number two pick in the 2016 draft, the number two pick in the 2017 draft. They gave up the 30 pick in the 2017 draft. They gave up future draft compensation. They gave up their immediate past and future to trade for Anthony Davis. They were able to still build out an ideal roster because they had the free agency period to make adjustments, and because they had been tanking for years, they had the financial flexibility to do so. Now let's think about the three most recent trades in the NBA, and again, this will bring it back to the Phoenix Suns. Granted, there have been other trades in the NBA, there hasn't really been a trade that has completely transformed a roster in the way these three trades have over the last year, 11 months, whatever you want to call it. Rudy Gobert trade happened in July of 2021, or sorry, 2022. When Rudy Gobert gets traded from the Utah Jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Timberwolves gave up four unprotected draft picks and future, like Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, like players who had been part of their rebuild over the previous few seasons. And when they made that trade... The immediate thing that we talked about, and we talked about with Ben Beacon, who covers the Minnesota Timberwolves, what we talked about was their season for contention was 2024. 
And I still believe, we talked about the Timberwolves at the end of the season, I still believe that the Timberwolves season for contention is 2024 because you're going to have a 22-year-old Anthony Edwards who is the clear number one in the offense. You are going to have Rudy Gobert with a full season and you're going to have the ability to curtail your roster around those players. And Minnesota started doing this at the trade deadline as well. They traded D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley. They moved off of... Well, not I guess I shouldn't say they moved off of Vanderbilt because they moved off of Vanderbilt before, but they they moved to Jaden McDaniels in the starting lineup. Obviously, Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns was injured for 50-some-odd games this year, and that was probably the reason they were the 8th seed instead of the the sixth seed or maybe even the five seed in the West. But for the most part, Minnesota was this roster who they traded Rudy Gobert for and dropped him into the team that they had. They're going to have an opportunity to retool that roster in a way that that tailors to the team that they have. And they're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And it's the reason why I think they're going to be one of the five best teams in the league. The second trade is Cleveland. Cleveland gave up Colin Sexton and Larry Markkinen and all of their future draft compensation in order to trade for Donovan Mitchell in September. So their roster was basically finalized. And we saw in the playoffs that when they got to the play, I mean, they were super successful in the regular season and Donovan Mitchell made all NBA, all that stuff. They were incredibly successful in the regular season. Donovan Mitchell is one of the 15 best players in the NBA without question. And then they got to the playoffs and they got exposed by the New York Knicks, a team that wasn't all that good in the grand scheme of things. I mean, granted, they were one of the final eight teams this year, and in the regular season, they were either the seventh or eighth best team, according to the nerd stats that we've brought up before. Strength, uh, SRS, expected win-loss record, net rating. Nerd stats like that proved the Knicks were either the seventh or eighth best team in the regular season. But the Cavaliers were supposed to be better than the Knicks, and the Cavaliers got smoked out the playoffs because... The New York Knicks just went big, and Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley didn't have a response, and Donovan Mitchell missed a bunch of shots, and that was kind of their recourse for trying to contend with the Knicks, was we're going to outshoot them, but we're also not going to be able to defend inside, and Evan Mobley was a non-factor in the series. And so New York is going to change, or sorry, Cleveland is going to change their roster this offseason. Cleveland is going to go to moving off of Caris Levert, Probably going to bring in a stronger wing. They might even go get Harrison Barnes from the local Sacramento Kings, like the beam. They might go, uh, they're going to swap out Caris Levert for someone else. And once they brought in Donovan Mitchell, Caris Levert's skill set was a little redundant. They're going to probably go find a true big. Maybe that involves trading Jarrett Allen, but they're probably going to go find a true big to counter a Mitchell Robinson or a Bam Adebayo or a Robert Williams. I know I'm just listing those two because I'm watching Bam Adebayo and Robert Williams go posting each other up right now in the third quarter of the Eastern Conference Finals. By the way, Boston's winning by 12 at the time we're recording this, and Boston's offense has looked totally overwhelming so far against Miami. They put up 64 points in the first half like just an abs Miami's only in the game because they're hitting three pointers but side tangent like the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to bring in a true big they're going to swap out Chris Levert for more of a three and kind of curtail the roster in a way that will make them more competitive in the playoffs next year remember the team goes as far as Donovan Mitchell takes them and we've talked before about the limitations of Donovan Mitchell and the fact that he is kind of in that DeMar DeRozan, Paul George group of his era, which is probably a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, just not a generational defining player. 
And by the way, part of that is the reason why the Utah Jazz were so content to move off of Donovan Mitchell after just five seasons playing in Utah. Donovan Mitchell is in the midst of his prime, and he will be someone who can get you to the second round of the playoffs as your best player. And as we talked about a second ago, the Cleveland Cavaliers go as far as Donovan Mitchell takes them. Donovan Mitchell's got two years left on his contract to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But now, a year later, they're going to have an opportunity with financial flexibility, with the ability to trade one more draft pick, because again, their draft picks are going to the Utah Jazz into perpetuity, but Cleveland, I believe, does have their first round pick this year in the NBA draft. Like, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in that position where they are going to have more financial flexibility in order to tailor their roster around their star players, which at this point are all-star Donovan Mitchell, all-star Darius Garland, and rookie of the year Evan Mobley, or rookie of the year finalist. I think Scotty Barnes won rookie of the year, but point still standing, a future all-star in Evan Mobley. And the same thing with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves go as far as Anthony Edwards will take them. I don't know what that looks like because I don't know the type of player Anthony Edwards will be, but they've given competence around Anthony Edwards. They have given him a few, a few, a former all-star in Rudy Gobert and a former all-star in Carl Anthony Towns. Gobert is 31. Towns is in his mid-20s. They have given competence around Rudy Go, uh, around Anthony Edwards, and that's what they gave up all of their future draft picks for, was to put competence around Anthony Edwards. It's why they traded for Mike Conley. It's why they traded for Rudy Gobert. Cleveland, same situation. Now, did those teams overpay? Yes. And for Minnesota, they have a new ownership group, and this leads us to the Phoenix Suns conversation, which is new ownership group on the first day, making the move to trade their entire future and strip down the current roster for Kevin Durant. And what's interesting about that trade is that we now recognize the Phoenix Suns go as far as Kevin, as Devin Booker takes them. Not as far as Kevin Durant takes them. The Phoenix Suns go as far as Devin Booker takes them. And that's kind of a wild realization to come to that for as great as Kevin Durant is, Devin Booker is the number one on the Phoenix Suns. And Kevin Durant being a number two is a hell of a one-two combination. It is a better one-two combination than what Minnesota can provide and what Cleveland can provide. Because again, if Donovan Mitchell is your best player, I think the best you can expect is to make the second round of the playoffs. If Anthony Edwards, at this age, is the best player that you're going to get. Now, let's wait until Edwards moves to 24, 25, and he might start being an MVP finalist, but... If 22-year-old Anthony Edwards is your best player, I don't know how far you can expect to go, but I think the Minnesota Timberwolves can win 50 games in the regular season next year. I think Anthony Edwards as your best player is good enough to win 50 regular season games. And I bring this up with Phoenix because we've already seen two years ago that Devin Booker as your best player is good enough to come within two games of winning the NBA Finals. And Devin Booker as your best player is good enough to be the number one seed in the Western Conference, as they were in 2022. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul are the focal point of the of the Phoenix Suns. Granted, it's an older team and they have DeAndre Ayton for now, but please, please, please just let DeAndre Ayton go to Indiana. 
please let DeAndre Ayton go free so he can win 38 games with the Indiana Pacers and get bounced in the first round. DeAndre Ayton would love nothing more than to go get bounced in the first round by the Indiana Pacers. Side note, if people are making the argument, we were having this conversation with our friend Juju Talk Sports, if people are going to have the conversation of Monty Williams left because it was either him or DeAndre Ayton, it's not that much of a guarantee that I would pass on firing Monty Williams to keep DeAndre Ayton. Like, if it's one or the other between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton, that's not the easiest choice in the world. And we know from reports that the Phoenix Suns fired Monty Williams because ownership wanted to pick their own coach. New owner who's got big, brash ideas like trading for Kevin Durant on the first day of his new ownership group. He wants to be a fan favorite by talking about giving away the broadcast for free on cable television in Phoenix, which... It excludes the fact that their Bally sports deal has expired and they didn't really have a place to put the games. But all of that besides the point, like the new owner made the splashy move to trade for a number for a second all-star traded for a second all-star, which is kind of like a third all-star. If you want to view Chris Paul is still a fringe all-star, but basically trade for a second all-star to pair with your generational talents. And again, we've seen Devin Booker with competence and another all-star was good enough to come within two games of winning the NBA Finals and get the number one seed in the Western Conference the following season. Devin Booker has competence in Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, and then the rest of the roster is available for them to mold. And I'm going to be really interested to see how they mold that whole roster together around their two stars. And I brought this up is... They couldn't build around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Like, it's no surprise that the reason they got eliminated is because outside of Durant and Booker, once Aiton got hurt, and well, Aiton got hurt and missed game six. I don't know what the backstory behind that was. But when Chris Paul went out in that series, DeAndre Aiton went out for game six, the other three players on the floor with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant were... Jock Landau, TJ Warren, and Campaign. Jokic, while on the bench in this series, was yelling out, you only have to guard two guys. It's only two guys. I think that was in the game that he scored 53 points and they lost in game four. He's like, it's only two guys. It's only two guys. And the Phoenix Suns put up this incredible performance with Booker and Durant that was thoroughly entertaining for two games and just having Devin Booker and Kevin Durant means you're good enough to make the second round of the playoff because Devin Booker is a generational star and Kevin Durant is one of the 15 greatest players in the history of the NBA now he's no longer in his prime granted and he's the second best player on the Phoenix Suns and I say that with intent because we need to start having a conversation about how Kevin Durant is the second best player on the Phoenix Suns And the Phoenix Suns traded all that they did, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four first-round picks, for the second-best player on their team. Just as the Minnesota Timberwolves traded four unprotected first-round picks for the second-best player on their team. Now, granted, Minnesota has a number one worse than Devin Booker at this moment. Anthony Edwards just needs time, but at this moment, worse than Devin Booker, and... Their number two is worse than Kevin Durant. 
So if Minnesota and Phoenix play each other in the first round or second round of the playoffs next year, yeah, probably going to go to Phoenix. However, Phoenix and Minnesota are trying the same strategies. It is give up our future for a second all-star, and with that second all-star and a third player who's all-star caliber, we will provide competence for our star, and then our star will take us as far as we are going to go. The Suns go as far as Devin Booker goes. The Timberwolves go as far as Anthony Edwards go. The Cleveland Cavaliers go as far as Donovan Mitchell goes. Where that direction is, all dependent on those star players. And where you view Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker, and Donovan Mitchell may be different based on your perspectives. The way the numbers bear it out is that Devin Booker is one of the five best players of his generation currently in his prime. You can, ar- you can argue back and forth whether or not Devin Booker is one of the five best players in the NBA. I think he's very clearly in what you would call like the tier two group of stars in the NBA. Behind Giannis and Jokic and Embiid, he is in the second tier group with Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, maybe you could argue Kevin Durant. But the point being, like Devin Booker is one of the eight best players in the NBA, And because he has been surrounded with competence, an all-star in Durant, really an all-NBA player in Durant, an all-NBA player in Durant, a former all-star in Chris Paul, maybe DeAndre Ayton will still be there. DeAndre Ayton was the third best player on the finals team a couple years ago. So call it CP3 and DeAndre Ayton and now Devin Booker and Kevin Durant with Chris Paul and whoever else will be on the team next year. That is competence that will get the Phoenix Suns over the top so that Devin Booker doesn't have to do everything on the team. And they will be able to contend with everyone in the West. They're never going to get blown out the room by any of the Western Conference teams, and they will be able to beat 75% of the teams in the NBA. How far they go from there? That's based on Devin Booker's ability, and that's based on Donovan Mitchell's ability for the Cavs, Anthony Edwards' ability for for the Timberwolves, Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are kind of a weird one too, but I guess you could argue the way De'Aaron Fox plays for the Sacramento Kings. Kawhi Leonard's ability for the Los Angeles Clippers. All these teams in the West go as far as their best players go. It's Anthony Davis for the Lakers, and Anthony Davis has been healthy and playing at Anthony Davis levels that reflect the 2020 bubble, and we've seen them make the conference finals in what was a wide-open West for the second-place finish. The Phoenix Suns go as far as Devin Booker goes, and this offseason will give them an opportunity to put the best possible roster around Devin Booker and now Kevin Durant. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. We got episodes coming at you on Friday with Morgan from Australia. When we come back from the weekend, we'll break down Game 2 and 3 of the Lakers and the Nuggets. We're going to break down Game 2 and 3 of the Phoenix of the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics series. The Celtics are up 10 right now. So let's assume the Celtics win and Robert Williams is going to be an instrumental part of their Game 1 victory. I'm sure Morgan from Australia will have a lot to say about her beloved Boston Celtics coming up over the next few days, but In the meantime, we thank you for stopping in. Leave a five-star review, download. All of your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.